0: X opens her eyes. For just a second, she's not sure where she is, where she's been, what her brain's been up to for the past eight hours. A glance out the window confirms that yesterday's dust of snow on the rocky peaks across the fjord is gone. The tide is out. On Nature 2.0, The high mountains have snow all year. Hard to believe. X pictures her dad pointing to the old tree line and saying, I uploaded these images myself in 2029, when I was only 18. Because I wanted you to see snow. Hello, X.
1: Hi X. Hello X.
0: Hello X. Um, hello X. I hope you're doing good. Uh, I hope
1: that we didn't oh, screw up X. the Earth you too X. much. Oh, and I want to apologize for This now.
0: Hello X in 2068, and hello everyone listening in 2018, and the 50 years between now and 2068. I'm Christine Sin. This is part two of Virtual Nature. The story excerpt you just heard is one of the first scenes written collaboratively by the Hello X story group as we attempt to imagine what life might be like for you, X. For those of you listening closer to the time of this recording, you can personalize and add to this scene on our very own online story generator at hellox dot me by clicking the button that says write that's w r i t e in virtual nature part one you heard from two bird specialists about how climate change is contributing to the decline in arctic seabirds now you're going to hear sami language novelist Sigbjørn Skoden and game designer ismet bakhtiar and i talk about the genesis and meaning of virtual nature in the first fiction story we're developing for publication in the fall of 2019. We also talk about the power of stories to shape the future, because what we pay attention to grows. I discovered this simple and powerful sentence in Adrienne Marie Brown's Emergent Strategies. This conversation was actually online. Sigbjorn was in a car, so the audio quality is a little lower than usual. And uh, thanks for understanding. Hello. Hello, Ismet. Can you hear me? Yep, I can. Okay, I'm going to add Sigbjorn now.
1: Hello. Hello. Hey, Sigbjorn. Hello.
0: We're doing this episode on virtual nature. So, this whole episode is inspired by Sigbjorn's idea that X. In 2068, finds that it's expensive and difficult to go out into the real Real outdoors. Yeah, into Mm -hmm. real nature. But she does have a less expensive option to go into virtual nature. Right. And maybe the place to start is, where did you get this idea from, Sigbjorn?
1: I think my starting point for writing was the privatization of... uh, So I wanted to do something about privatization and uh, came up with this water bottle company.
0: Sigbeard invented a large private water corporation called Mountain Fresh in a time when Norway exports more drinking water than oil.
2: How come humans are not allowed to go in real nature anymore? What's the restriction? Well,
1: it's privatized. So, uh, it's just, just because yeah, they want yeah, the so, uh,
2: people polluting in
1: the area or what? Well, the idea is that, is that the company controls nature anyway, so why not charge people to go? Mm-hmm.
0: Isma, you are designing the various apps and websites that are part of Hello X, mm-hmm. and because you have a long history with game design and mm-hmm. you're very much up on what happens with virtual reality. So, what do you make of this idea?
2: I think it's definitely how it might be in 2068. Is very right clear that you can recreate in virtual reality an idealized or optimized version of nature and you can make it room scale. That means you can walk in this like area and then imagine that you're in this like lush tropical forest or whatsoever, even though you're living way up in the North Pole. Virtual nature actually is the cheaper alternative because you can choose what you want to, where you want to go. Most of these companies have already privatized land, so a lot of areas are actually blocked out. And they're either too harsh, climate, or it could be also that they're...
0: Polluted, um, maybe?
2: Polluted, yeah. They're not nice anymore. They're not as cool as what virtual nature can provide for you.
0: When I read the beginning of the story that you made about virtual nature, I felt a little sad. And I felt that underneath that sadness was this question about how do we deal with change? And how do we deal with the fact that the environment is changing? The plants and animals and the rivers and the beaches are changing? And how do we deal with the possibility of losing those places or losing some of the stories, for instance, that go with the places? My parents are migrants, so I already have that feeling, a little bit of loss. That I don't know the place where my grandparents came from, or even my parents, really. The two of you are both parents. Sigbjorn, you're a writer. Ismet, you're a game designer and, and work with technology very much. How do you feel about the question of change and loss if you think of it from the perspective of your future granddaughter, who could be X?
2: I think it's only for us who remember it or who have seen this change, who have this pang of nostalgia. But for the generation who grows up with already these changes already in place, I don't think they will they'll feel that loss. They probably hear things were better before, but there are probably a lot of things that the yeah, modern society has produced a lot better of, and they look at us like, oh, we we're primitives, you know. I grew up in Singapore, right? And Singapore is a country that's full of changes of all the time. I mean, we reclaim a lot of land. We build up the island so that there's a lot of artificial structures or artificial land masses all around. I remember I was speaking to an old neighbor and he was saying, hey, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, where we're speaking right now, this used to be where the beach was. And they stretched this beach out further, like by another two kilometers. And for me, I had no idea. The loss of civil liberties, I think that would be a lot worse than the loss of an environmental place.
0: Yeah, but they could be linked. Sigbjorn, how do you feel about this question of change and loss?
1: So Arctic nature is probably going to change pretty radically the, the, the next 50 years and uh, definitely the next 100 years. So
0: That's what they say.
1: Yeah, that's what they say. And, uh, it's probable. And the Arctic area is, uh, is an area where there is an extreme knowledge about how to use nature about what nature is and how to utilize this on a micro level in the best way and so on and so on and so on and then in a historical way you know 50 years 100 years is nothing because we've been adapting to this for thousands of years and the rapid change like that is going to make knowledge extinct in a way too i mean we won't have the same tools and knowledge to deal with nature it's going to represent a cultural problem i think as well for stuff like snow (laughs) that we maybe won't have anymore in a hundred years or maybe even in 50 years. It's a huge change for culturally also.
0: But how do you feel? Am I the only one who feels sad or I feel loss of things that I still have now or that we still enjoy? I moved here to the Arctic four years ago and I'm totally in love with it. And when I think, for instance, about this little island that's outside our house, and the fact that there's one tree on it, and it's tiny, and you can walk out to the island when uh, the tide is low. But I know that in in the next 20 years, probably, definitely in the next 50 years, that tree is going to die, because the island is really small, and even before the sea submerges it during a storm or something, the salt water will get in, and the tree won't be alive in 50 years. And so I'm going to take a seed from that tree and I'm going to try and, and seed the tree and maybe plant a few of the seeds somewhere else. But I love the tree and I feel sad that it won't be able to live longer. I have to say, you both seem very kind of, not necessarily positive, but very stoic about it. That's how it's going to be and they're not going to care. And we're, we old fogies, if we're alive then, are going to be like, Let's <laughs> kind of feel nostalgic. I mean, both of you guys are parents. So let's imagine that there's a virtual nature in in 2068. And let's say that the technology is possible for you quite soon to take thousands of photos or 360 videos or whatever, 3D 360 videos um, of certain places uh, for your grandkids. What would... You choose to upload. Let's say you could only do one.
2: I'll choose places that, that I've had spent time with my own kids, for example, uh, beaches around. Yeah, Bukta is uh, probably one.
0: Bukta is a really popular and beautiful beach on the south side of Trumsa Island.
2: They love the beach. Every kid loves the beach because they get a play sand. On a nice summer day in Trumsa. it's nice and warm, 22 degrees. That will be in my memory that I want to have. That's always this virtual Fifty years from now, there's reports report saying that sea ice melting will really affect coastal structures. So I can imagine, for example, what we take for granted right now, a walk at Bukta on a lovely day, will be a completely different walk at Bukta 50 years from now because the coastal line has changed. They are going to hang out at Bukta, but they probably are among ruins of houses that were by the coastline. The beaches are kind of wrecked. They're pretty much... Not a great place to be, not optimised place to hang out. Sigbjørn? Yeah,
1: I think, you know, uh, if I wanted to recreate a place on an app for my son and or, or his children, I think it would be... Well, I've uh, grown up uh, about three and a half hours' drive outside of Klumse, in a small village. And even though I've been living in Klumse for a long time, I think... I've never been it any other place, my home. And it's the only place I feel really at home in the landscape and in a micro-knowledge way where I know the place name in Two languages in uh, for every more or less every rock and every every river and every crook and every small hill and everything you know. It, it's about all the stories connected to the places and all the knowledge that I have. A long line of family that also also belong to those places. But When you don't have a concrete relationship, for instance, to the river, some hundred meters away from my house.
0: Tell us a story about the river next to your house. Just one of them.
1: Well, if you walk five hundred meters. Uh, down from my house, there is a passing there, isn't it? Now it's kind of a tractor bridge there, where it used to be just a place where people could walk across because the water isn't really high normally. So on that riverbank and around that riverbank, for instance, it's just an, an example. It's like this everywhere. And one of the stories is that it's the so-called, well, is what we, what we in the Sami language, called the Ehpadus. Uh, and are the children that in poorer periods, or in periods with the stricter social control. Parents who weren't married, for instance, mothers who got children out of wedlock and stuff like that, often had to um, abandon their children to die in the forest or in the woods or, or wherever.
0: As babies.
1: And, uh, as, yes, babies, as newborn babies. And those children return. They return every seven years. And there's almost a liturgy around how to meet the childlike like like that, whether it's a specific type of ghost that you're supposed to treat in a specific way. And if you don't, it might be dangerous, or it's going to follow you around for the rest of your life if you don't. You know, stuff like that. I've grown up with stories like that everywhere.
0: How do you feel about the possibility that the river near your house, where you grew up, might be quite different later, or there's maybe no snow?
1: Well, I don't know. As you say, uh, I'm not extremely nostalgic and sentimental by nature. I think uh, I'm not the kind of person who wants to go back to the old days. I mean, I've uh, <laughs> become more sentimental about uh, future things after I became a father this summer, and because the future becomes more concrete in a way. When I see my son, and I know he's going to uh, hopefully outlive me by, uh, by long stretch, and uh, imagining him in a bleat, rainy, Arctic town with no snow and under complete uh, corporate control uh, in the future. When imagining him in that scenario that affects him, uh, that's depressing for me, I have to say. But what to do about it, as he is, say, I mean, what can we do about it? But I guess the thing I feel that I'm closest to being able to do is to try to help resist privatization regionally in the Arctic to try to play a small part in resist big companies moving in with mining prospects and stuff like that in in my specific region in the world and hope that people in other regions in the world manage to do the same to at least a certain degree so that we can at least limit part of the damage. But, you know, that's naive too. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, it's, it's
0: interesting because I feel as if one thing that is definitely constant is change. So, in Singapore, Ismet, you said everything is always changing. And we're in a time, I think, of some radical change, both socially, economically, and certainly ecologically. And one of the motivations for Hello X is actually this idea that what you pay attention to grows. And so, if we imagine stories and we have a vision, Of the things that we value, like civil liberties, for instance, Mm. or even snow, (laughs) Mm. then if we think about privatization and it makes us, for instance, in your case, Sigbjörn, and it feels depressing, then I guess you could not think about it, so you're not depressed. But there's the other angle that says, oh, maybe if I write a story about that and I'm thinking about that, it's also shifting the present in subtle ways and perhaps thereby shifting the future in some way.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think about it, or in the sense I've written speculative fiction, which I am becoming more and more interested in now, is that uh, that (laughs) it's almost a kind of back-to-the-future scenario where you can, in a way, go back and change the trajectory, as you say, because you can create... uh, fictional future that seems pretty real so that you can have that as an image and then you can, in a way, travel back to our time like to do changes that will prevent that uh, future of happening.
0: How is it going with your novel? Would, would, could you tell us a little something about It's a speculative fiction about the future.
1: I think it's going well, hopefully. But it goes slowly. Right? I'm, I'm reworking it now to make it more whole.
0: I'm so looking forward to hearing more about the book and maybe later when you really come to a good place, then we can talk about that again because that would be really amazing. Ismet, is there anything you want to
2: add? Well, I know you were saying something about stories and I think you're completely right. There's one of the reasons why I think this project is interesting we're inundated with facts about how the world is changing and how technology is changing around us. The best way to get people to really start to talk and think about it is to really relate good story. With regards to my kids, I mean, they inspire me all the time. I mean, they're my user group. They're, they're my user
0: group. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe yeah. the stories will be told in new formats, not only in novels, which I hope still exist in 50 years, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. they might also be in a virtual reality app Or on the phone, this is also something that you're exploring within the project. I saw you walking around uh, town last year playing Pokemon Go. (laughs) And I remember thinking, you must have so much fun with your kids, and they must have so much fun with you.
2: (laughs) I think it's important to be relatable to them. And understanding who who all these cultural icons are in their generation is important for me to be able to have, like, oh yeah, just basically in general, deeper conversations. Why is this particular YouTube video is interesting for them? What's all these memes or why is this their mode of communication and why is it so effective?
0: Hmm. I'm gonna come over your house and play video games with your kids and you. <laughs> and I'm gonna call that research.
1: <laughs> yeah, do that. Do that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's why I call you all the time. Exactly. <laughs> all right, I'm going to go upstairs and do some research.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we're all going to go. <laughs> thank you guys so much. It's wonderful to have you both.
1: You're welcome Good. to sing. Thank
0: you. Okay. <laughs> Hada. Hada.
1: Hada. Brah.
0: So that's the end of Virtual Nature Part Two. I'd like to thank Sigbjorn and Ismet on the Hello X Creative Team. You can look at the podcast episode page on HelloX.me for photos, videos, and links to more of their work. You can read and participate in our creative discussions about X and the future by clicking the Meet button. That's M-E-E-T, not M-E-A-T. And you can even personalize your own version of a fiction scene by clicking on the Write button. You can also keep up with HelloX on Facebook and Instagram. HelloX partners include FROM, the High North Research Center for Climate and the Environment, with its flagships Environmental Impact of Industrial Development in the North, Effects of Climate Change on Sea and Coastal Ecology in the North, Sea Ice in the Arctic Ocean Technology and Agreements, hazardous substances, effects on ecosystems and human health, effects of climate change on terrestrial ecosystems, landscapes, society, and indigenous peoples. This program is made with the support of the Norwegian Arts Council. ICE 9 partners include Tromsø Municipality, the Nansen Legacy Research Project, and the North Norwegian Art Museum. Hello X theme music is by MetaTag on Hell Audio. Episode music is by Tangents on Not Applicable. Hello X is also supported by Spadabank Northern Norway, the Free Speech Foundation, Innovation Norway, and Koro, Public Art Norway. Hello X is produced by Ice Nine with Christine Sin, Anneli Dieberg, and Valentin Mans. Associate producers include Marina Borovaya and Annika Vistrom. Sound mix by Nathaniel Gustin. Digital design by Ismet Bakhtiar. Story generator developed by Ferkel Industries. And today's bonus track is Stitches by Tangents on Not Applicable. You can listen to this album by looking at the episode webpage and finding the link. Bye.